you would take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Familiar passage of scripture. And I'm going to preach a message I've preached before. I try to preach it about every two years. Because I think it's about as important as anything you ever hear. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read the first um, 12 verses. Proverbs 3. And I got to turn my mic on. Yes, sir. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee, or to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with the subs- thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So the message is how to stay right with God. How to stay right with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your privilege and opportunity we have to open your word tonight. We thank you for the truth of thy word and for the power that it has to work uh, to bring about change and fruitfulness and blessing and usefulness and, and Lord, uh, health, even health in our lives. And Father, we praise you to, just to help us to grasp the truth of thy word and understand the power and authority with which it uh contains and how it can transform our lives for our good and thy glory we do pray in jesus name amen the word of god is a of course inspired book uh it's different than any other book in the world um you know it's interesting people can be avid readers and then of all kinds of stuff you know history or novels or you know whatever and they can read all these these things and and you know some of it of course it's a lot of it's uh uh you know kind of dramatized and that makes it attractive but you know there, if you really think about it there's a lot of dramatic things happening in the bible and yet people aren't really interested in reading it i mean do you ever think about a man taking a jawbone of an ass and killing a thousand Philistines, a jawbone of an ass. Do you know how big a jawbone of an ass is? It's probably that long. If that. Now, you know, I'm used to cows, Holsteins, you know, and their jawbone's a little bit bigger, but it, uh, uh, an ass is smaller. Um, or, uh, you know, Philip's preaching in Samaria, and the spirit catches him away. And he ends up out in the desert where there's a chariot, probably a few chariots, with this uh, um, 
treasurer of Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians, being a man of authority, he probably had more than just one a chariot. But anyway, and he says, go join thyself thy chariot. So he does. He preaches the gospel to him, and they come to a body of water, and he baptizes him. And then it says the Spirit of, way, Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and he saw him no more. Um, or, you know, you think about the days of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath and how she had a barrel of meal and a little cruise of oil, and she was preparing the last meal for her and her son and die. And Elijah tells her, you make me a little cake first, and that bear of oil will not waste. That cruise of oil shall not fail till God sends rain. Well, it was three years and six months till God sent rain. And you see, there are some dramatic things in the Bible. There are some people who went through dramatic experiences. Uh, you know, Paul or David said, you ever feel like David? Oh, that I could flee away to the wilderness. Do you ever feel like, I wish I could go somewhere where nobody could find me? Been there, done that, you know. Um, You know, the Bible talks about everything that man goes through and addresses every issue of life. And and it is is a power. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. That word word power there is dunamis. It has the idea of it can change. It can transform. And we know that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds uh, through the Word of God. So that's changed from the inside out. So the Word of God is vital to our Christian life. It's impossible to live a healthy, victorious, successful. When I say healthy, I'm not talking about necessarily all physical health, although it does affect your physical health. In fact, here in verse 8 it says, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Uh, but is it impossible to live a healthy, victorious, successful Christian life without the Word of God? You know, it is a source of salvation. And, you know, we are born again by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, First Peter 1 tells us. So, so it, you know, it is very important in our life. So if we're going to, and it instructs us how to stay right with God. So if we want to stay right with God, we have to, first of all, we have to stay in or continue in the book. Verse 1 says, my son, forget not my law. You know, we're forgetful people. Did you forget something today? (laughs) You know, uh, I went downstairs to get something. I forgot what I was down there to get. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not that I'm getting old or anything. But, but, uh, you know, we are forgetful people. And if we don't meditate and spend time in the word of God... We're not going to remember God's promises, his commandments to us, or his, his uh, judgments, which instruct us what not to do also. So we have to stay in the book. Uh, it is, in, it is in part inspired of God, which means it's God-breathed or it's God-given. So God gave us his words. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means all of it, from cover to cover. And heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So we're talking about words here. We're not just saying, well, there's parts of it you can take out and parts of it you can reject. No, all of it. All of it is profitable for us. It may not directly apply to you. You There are some things in this book that are applied to the Jew in particular. 
and something that speaks to the heathen in particular. You know, there's judgments, and you read about in Jeremiah, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel in particular, and there's all these judgments concerning Babylon and Assyria, and, well, that really doesn't apply to me. But there are principles I can learn from that. And the principle is this. You violate God's commandment, you're going to, payday is coming someday. And so, so it is given to us. It is an inspired book. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, so this was written by holy men of God. It wasn't just written by any, anyone. You know, it is different. It is in a distinct class by itself. Uh, it is different than any other book. And, and of course, it's, it's good for us for doctrine. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given in the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, doctrine simply means teaching. And it teaches us what is right. Uh, Psalm 33 and verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. If you, if you're, if you're, if you think there's something in the Bible that is wrong, it's you that's wrong, God's word is always right. Either that or you're interpreting, your, your interpretation is wrong. Uh Psalm 119, verse 128 says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. So whatever the Bible addresses, and the Bible's not a history book, but it's historically accurate. Robert Dick Wilson, I think I shared about him here not too long ago, and um, Brother Ross was talking about him in our Greek class the other night a little bit, and he spent you know, years studying languages, he, he, he learned, he could, he could speak and read 26 languages, and he, he studied 45 total, but, but anyway, and he was a, he, he purposed to study to, to make himself a scholar of the Old Testament, so he could prove, without doubt, the truth of the Old Testament, truth of the words of the Old Testament, and he said, the Bible is the most historically accurate book concerning history before Christ, any book in the world. Even the, even the spelling of the names is more correct than any book of the world of evil. Uh, you know, everything that it addresses, whether it's creation, whether, whether it's the need of man, whatever it is, uh, it is right. Science is scientifically accurate. You know, the book of Exodus talks about Exodus and Leviticus talk about um, washings, you know, washing for certain things. And, and, uh, and, and this was during the, um, I think around the 1500s, a guy by the name, a doctor by the name of Semmelweis was treating, he was, he was working in a maternity ward, and the mothers were dying at a very high percentage rate, and he couldn't figure out why. Well, they weren't cleaning their hands when they go from one mum to another and to examine them. And so they would take infection from one moment to the next. And, you know, they, every morning there was more women dying. And, and he just, he j it just tore him apart. And he finally came up with this idea that you need to wash. He told his, his workers, you need to wash your hands between every exam and also cleanse them in some chlorine or something. And the, the uh, fatality rate went, phew, just like that. If it had just read the book of Exodus or Leviticus, concerning the washings, they would have understood that. Uh, it is right concerning everything. 
Uh, it is a preserved book. You know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Uh, you know, so God's word is always right. Uh, so it teaches us what is right for reproof, what is not right. It always tells us what is, what is not right. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young land cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Well, if you're not spending time in the word of God daily, you can work or survive on habit for a while. But as the world chips away at your conscience, do you know what you're going to find yourself doing? You're going to find yourself compromising, not obeying the truth. No, we need to spend time in the word of God. Uh, Thirdly, it is given to us for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So how to get things right. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It tells us how, when we have sinned, to get right with God. Uh, we, we all know, you know, of course, it tells us how a sinner can be saved. Uh, John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 3, 5 says, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it instructs us in all these things. And, and, and how to get right and stay right. Uh, James tells us in James chapter 1 and, and verses uh, uh, 21 to 25. James 1, 21 to 25. Here the Bible says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, and Proverbs 1, 3, 1 says, forget not my law, so don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we're, we're to put away superfluity. That word superfluity means the residue. It has the idea of a residue from naughtiness. Uh, naughtiness is ill will. It's a, re- a rebellious attitude. So we're to put that away. He says we're to put that away and receive with meekness. So we're to have a, a humble spirit, a receptive spirit, being able to talk truth. And which is able to save your souls. And I believe it's there it's talking. Of course, there could be a dual vocation here, but he's talking to Christians. Uh, save your soul from the sin of death. Sin, the wages of sin is death. You know, we often apply that only to unsaved people. Do you realize that applies to Christians? There is a sin in the death. And if we can be, if we can be stubborn and obstinate against God, God will only put up with that so long. And it's going to be judgment. And so, so this, this book tells us how to get things right. And, and, of course, it's also given for instruction how to keep things right. Uh, Psalm 17.4 says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, have I kept me from the paths of the destroyer. 
So I didn't go the way of the wicked. Why didn't I? Well, I'm just a great guy. No. Thy word kept me from the path of the destroyers. It's not in us. You know, the Bible says it's not in man to direct his steps. Your man left to himself is like a beast. In fact, man left to himself does things beasts don't do. You know, there's lots of sins in our society today that beasts don't do. No, it's not man the director says. You know, again, David said, Concerning the works of men by the word of thy lips, have I kept me from the paths of the destroyer? By your word, Lord, your Lord, Lord, your words kept me on the right path. From the path of the destroyer. Think about Joshua and Caleb during during the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. The reason they weren't dying like everyone else or didn't die like everyone else is. They obeyed the Lord. They followed his word. They, just, they took him at his word. And he kept them from the path of the destroyer. So this is what the Bible does for, for us. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know that study takes work. Takes time. Um takes effort. So, so we need to apply ourselves to this book. It is an inspired book. It is a book that's different than any other book. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. See, if your mind is stayed on the Lord, then you will trust in him if it stayed on him. And so he says, forget not my law. It is an inspired book. It's an inspired book, unlike any other. Secondly, we're to study or stay in the book to be commanded. If you notice in verse 4, so shalt thou have found favor and good understanding in the sight of God. And men. Now the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1 that Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and man. That's a fulfillment of this verse right here. Uh, of course, Jesus being God, you know, he did everything right. But he's not the only one that that's said about. Joseph, wherever Joseph went, Joseph found favor with his father. He's sold into Egypt as a slave, and he's bought by Potiphar, and it, it isn't just a matter of time. He's, he's found favor with Potiphar. And he exalts him, makes him the stewardess of his house. And, of course, then his... Potiphar's wife accuses him falsely, and he ends up in prison as a result of that. He's in the prison, and he finds favor, again, with the head of the prison. And it isn't long that he's not only found favor with men, but he, he has also found favor. And the Bible says over and over again, the Lord blessed him and gave him favor. Why? He was a man of good understanding. 
He was a man of God's word. And, of course, it isn't long until he's exalted. You know, he has humbled himself. He submit, all along, he submitted himself to what has happened in his life without being bitter. And he submitted himself to it. And God exalts him. He becomes, he's exalted in Pharaoh's house and becomes second command. You see, he finds favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Daniel was another. Daniel was brought into favor with the prince of the eunuchs. But the key to success to Daniel's favor was he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Now, what is that? Well, he was not going to forget God's law. That was the key. He was going to keep God's law wherever he was. And, and so he was keeping the commandments of God and he was brought into favor. Uh, I should have stayed, kept my place there, but James 1.25 says, we'll be, uh, talks about the man who, who, who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. Again, speaking of God's favor. If you want man's favor, you know how to get it. Well, you can... You can work the system of the world, but sooner or later, lots of people are going to hate you. I mean, it happens all the time. But if you want favor, real favor with men, do what's right in the sight of God. And they may not always agree with you, but they will respect you. You do right. Because God is the one that brings you into favor. That's what the Bible teaches. This man shall be blessed. Blessed by who? Blessed by God. Blessed by God. It was God that brought Joseph into favor. It was God that brought Daniel into favor. See, we need to stay in it to be commanded. Uh, to find favor. You know, obeying the truth. You know, reading it. Obeying it. Heeding its instructions, uh, obeying the, or heeding to the, the, the preaching of God's word, not despising, prophesying, First Thessalonians five twenty says. Third thing it says we need to to uh, be in it to be corrected or to be correct. Verse three says, "Let not mercy and truth forsake thee; bind them about thy neck, tie them upon the table of thine heart." Now. Somebody was telling me that they used to be able to go into a store and remember everything that they needed. Now they have to make a list. Well, that's me, you know. I have to make a list. I can go into the store and, you know, sometimes I say I need three things. Why? Well, I, I didn't make a list, but I need three things. So if I know I need three things, I'll remember the three things, right? Well, I started making a list even for three things. Because uh, sometimes I get in the store and I have to stop and think and for a while what that third thing was. But, but uh, you know, he says here, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Now, this speaks, of course, of meditating upon it. Memory. Meditating upon it. 
uh, you know, reading it over and over again. And if you read it over and over again, it becomes a part of you. I was laying in bed last night, and I started singing, Alpha, Beta, Gamma. That's the Greek alphabet. You know, Brother Ross has taught us the Greek alphabet to the tune. I think it's the Greek national anthem. So it's kind of a catchy tune. So, you know, you, you, if you put something to song, you remember it a lot easier. So, you know, that's sometimes I don't really be caring to care or think about Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, you know. But, but because I've, we, I've sung it a few times with him, and, and, you know, and I've, I actually recorded it on my phone and, you know, watch it every once in a while. But see, you know what? That's starting to become a part of me. It's becoming like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, you know. And I forget what the rest of it is. No. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, because there's a little ditty, that that is put to is very easy to remember, and it becomes part of you. You know, that's what we didn't do to do with the Word of God. Uh, I'm not saying you need to make a song out of it, but you need to hide it in your heart. You need to hide it in your heart. Don't forsake it. And, of course, part of this is that when we hear it, we need to obey it. You know, when we hear it and obey it, it becomes part of us. But if we hear it and don't apply it, you'll forget about it. You know, I learned very early on in the ministry, when somebody tried me about something, and it caused me to defend what I believed from the scriptures on my own without just hearing it from somebody else. You know, when I studied to prove it myself, I never forgot it. I didn't forget it. You see, we need to be in the book, stay in the book, to be correct, to rightly apply the word to our lives. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15, we're to study, study takes time and effort, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, you don't want it, whatever work you do, you don't want to be an embarrassment to your employer. So you learn, you study how to do your job right. And we need to study the Word of God and rightly apply it to our life. So we need to not only hear it, we need to apply it. We apply what we hear. Uh, Jehoshaphat gave the children of Israel some very wise counsel. He said, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. And believe his promise, so shall ye prosper. Hey, you need to believe, it, believe his prophets. This came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This prophecy, this is a prophecy that was given to us by God's prophets. Now, when we say, when I say prophecy, I'm not talking just about Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. I'm talking about Peter and James and John and Luke and Matthew. They prophesied. They gave us the word of God. They spoke forth the word of God. And here we have it. And so, uh, 
And so we're to take heed to be correct. Uh, we're not to forsake the truths of the Word of God. You know, we live in a day where people are forsaking the truths of the Word of God. They, they think they have new understanding, they have new vision. You know, I'm, I'm reading through Ezekiel right now. And, uh, you know, you can get bogged down in Ezekiel with the wheels and the, you know, and the visions and cherubims and all that. But one of the things that really stood out to me just the other day was in Ezekiel 13. Ezekiel talks about God said that these false prophets see a vision, but it's vain. In other words, they see a vision. There's something they believe in, but it's according to their own will, it's according to their own desires, and it's completely vain. It's useless. It has no value. It has no, no uh, uh, truth to it. But they see it. In other words, they think they see something that they believe was from God, and they preached it like it was truth. One of them said... In two years, you people at Babylon are coming back here. And Jeremiah, or Ezekiel said, he has prophesied. No, this, that one was actually in Jeremiah. And he said, he's prophesied a lie. And Jeremiah said to him, because you prophesied a lie before this year is out, you shall die. And he did. Oh, he saw a vision. But it wasn't according to the word of God. You know, we have to rightly apply the Word of God uh, to our lives. We, don't, we, we can't take the Word of God and try and make it to fit what we want. No, we need to fit ourselves to it. Uh, so, look at, look at, in fact, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> Romans 3, 3 and 4 says this. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of the circumcision? Much every way chiefly because unto them was committed the oracles of God. So they had the word of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yet he let, everybody, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Uh, so, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, it isn't going to change the word of God. And it isn't going to change whether you are judged by the word of God. You're still going to be judged by the word of God, whether you believe it or not. So you can, you can try and change, which the Jews did. And we know what ended up happening to the Jews. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, the word of God, our unbelief does not make the word of God without effect. Because we're going to be judged by this book. So we can't make the word of God to fit us, even the things that are difficult to us, that we don't like. We don't have this option. Well, I'll take that, and I'll take one of those, and I'll take two of those. But I don't want that, and I don't want that, and I don't want that. That's not how it works. I mean, you can go to a smorgasbord restaurant, and you can do that if you want. But you can't do that when it comes to the Word of God. 
I mean, you can do it if we're going to be judged for it when you get to heaven. We're going to be judged by his words. And so, because God will be justified, God will be vindicated, as it says here, God forbid, verse 4, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. God's going to overcome our judgment. We're not going to defeat God. We're not going to reason around God. I mean, you can talk your way out of things here in this life, maybe, but you're not going to talk your way out of when it comes to God. And so, we need to stay in the book to be correct. Uh, for it is a destructional book. Uh, third thing we see here is an invaluable book. Notice verses 2, 4, and 8. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. In verse 4, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in sight of God and man. And then again in verse 8, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Uh, and so this is an invaluable book. Think of the things that says length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus said in, John, in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it speaks of a, of a peace of heart, peace of mind uh, that God gives. You know, we live in a, a world tonight that is very troubled. There's trouble on every hand. Uh, my wife was telling me just today that I guess some of you may have heard this. There's an eight-year-old. In Wendell, mid suicide, eight year old. Um, and there was a shooting in Wake Forest. And then they hauled the body to Youngsville and dropped it off at the Youngsville police. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of troubled people in this world. You know, God gives us length of days and peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You know, the disciples were troubled when they didn't. Because they didn't believe God's word. You know, they were troubled. They were troubled uh, about the fact that he died and he buried him. And they were still troubled about it. And, and, and John 18 or 19 tells us because they did not believe his word. Because he said, three days, I'm going to rise again. He told him, John 14, that not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Of my father's house are many mansions, if we're not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am at, there you may be also. So, so he told them not to be troubled. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but good, good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so, it's health to my navel, marrow to my bones. Again, seventeen or Psalm 17, 4 says that his word, by the word of his lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Those things that would destroy me. Uh, and so, the word of God is health. It's healthy. Uh, it gives us understanding. The entrance of thy word giveth understanding. Under the simple, Psalm 119, verse 130 tells us. 
So, so it, and it has the power to change us. Uh, Psalm 19.7 says, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting. In other words, it's changing the soul. Uh, he, or Romans 10.17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 12.1, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the word of God has power to change us, to transform our lives. Look at, um, well, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of, the God, of our Lord. So the more you look in this mirror right here, this one, this is the face of God. This is God declaring himself to us right here. And the more you look in this book, or the more time you spend reading and studying this book, the more you're going to be changed into his likeness. There's no alternative. My, my conclusion is the reason people don't look into it is because they don't want to be changed. It takes time. It takes effort. But if you really want to change, we'll do it. I mean, we do what we want to do, right? And so it changes us. It'll, it'll cheer you. You know, when I read stuff like Daniel chapter 3, and those three Hebrew children, boys going into, into the fiery furnace, and they're in there walking around with the Lord Jesus Christ, that encourages me. So then I ask myself, so why am I afraid of these people out in the world? If my God... And it is my God. It's the same God. I serve the same God they served. If, it, if, if that's my God, then why do I need to fear? Why am I afraid of what somebody's going to say? You ever have a talk with yourself that way? I have. Why am I afraid? I mean, if that little, that little shepherd boy can take one smooth stone and kill a nine-foot giant and take his own sword and cut off his head... What is it that God has for me to do that I can't do? Why would I be afraid to do something God asked me to do? It encourages me. It cheers me. It challenges me. You know, it challenges me to be pure and holy and walk worthy, to do right. Again, you read about, you know, how, how uh, Job was tempted and tried. Was Job discouraged? I think he was discouraged. But he did not let it cause him to blame God. I mean, he had sore trials. To lose all your kids... I mean, the kids would be okay, but the grandkids? No, just kidding, but just, you know. But, you know, he, he, from what, if I understand correctly, his kids were married. 
Who lost his grandkids too? But losing his children and then everything that he had, his means of living, and then on top of that, his health. And scraping yourself with boils. You know, I got a little poison ivy or poison oak. I'm not sure what it is. You know, some of my arms and, and around my eyes, if you tell my eyes look a little puffy. My wife didn't hit me. It's just, you know, I got some poison ivy. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit irritating. You know, can you imagine having something much worse than that all over your body? And then the Bible says, you know the patience of Job. He was long-suffering. And then I complain sometimes about the difficulties of life. And I think, boy, I really got it easy. Yeah, we really got it easy. See, it challenges us. It convicts us. Verse 11 says, My son despise not the chastening Lord, neither the weary of his, of his correction. You know, the Lord was chastening Job. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. You know, I never liked chastening. Never enjoyed it. And for quite a few years of my life, I just thought my parents were mean. I had one of them mean mothers too, you know. You know what? You know, and I got licking. I remember I got licking one time for something I didn't do. But you know what? I'm thankful I got lickings. And I would much rather get one for something I did not do than never have gotten one. Because now I understand. I understand chastening and the purpose of chastening. See, so it challenges us. It convicts us. I said that, verse 11. It warns us. It admonishes us. Uh, to beware. Uh, you, know, you, you walk in opposition to the word of God and you will find, you will find, it will bring you grief. Uh, Psalm 38. David found that out. Psalm 38. You know, he, this, I believe, is uh, after his sin with Bathsheba. Psalm 38. In verses 1 through 5 says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thy arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. No soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are going over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of the, my filthy foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day, for my loins are filled with loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh, and I am feeble and sore broken, I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. You know, David, you know, sinned against the Lord. It brought him grief, physical grief. After all, you can't hide your sin from God. Look at Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. You know, even in church, the word of God sooner or later is going to put his finger on it. 
going to put his finger on it. I could say the word of God is going to put his finger on it because it is his finger. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's a sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You can't hide your sin from God. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. God's beholding. He's got his... Do you ever have a parent say, I got my eye on you. They're beholding you. They were beholding you. God says his eyes behold the children of men. He's got his eye on you. Psalm 98.4 verse 8 says, Understand you brutish. That word brutish really means stupid. So understand ye brutish among the people and ye fools. When will you be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall he not correct? And he that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. See, the word of God, it does convict us. It convicts us. Just as... Peter was convicted the night when he, when he denied the Lord the third time and the cock crowed and Jesus turned and looked at him. And the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. Do you know that the Lord turns and looks at you and I? What does he see? Oh, it's vitally important that we stay in the word of God. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Hide them in your heart. Apply them to life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. Thank you for the instruction it gives us. Oh, these simple yet truths that have compound effect in our life. Help us to heed them. Help us to understand your sovereignty, not only your sovereignty, but your holiness and your love for us. And I pray that you'd help us to heed the instruction and help us to spend the time in your word that we need daily that we might live well, have length of days and long life and peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.